Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast, episode 534. Let's look at the truck series preparing for Richmond. What I would like to do in this podcast is look first at IRP practice data to see if it links up or correlates with the results from the race. Maybe not necessarily the results, but more so, did a driver perform well throughout the entirety of the race? If they had a good truck and practice, in theory, they should have run pretty well. Or maybe not. Maybe it was simply a race that was more leaning towards just having good track position. But if you're going to have good track position, you more than likely at least had one good lap in practice and you qualified up front. So we're looking for some correlation there, not necessarily results. Because if you remember in the previous podcast at IRP, we had some cautions at the end and that led to some drivers who performed really well throughout the race, didn't get the results they deserved. And then some drivers got results that they may not have deserved. Some of them definitely performed the entire race. Grant Anfinger was great the entire time. He wins the race. I'm expecting that when we go through the IRP lap-by-lap data, Grant Anfinger is going to look good. So we're going to look at that data. And then as we close out the podcast, we're going to look at just how drivers are running recently in the truck series. I don't know what you want to draw for a sample size. Maybe you only want to look at IRP. Maybe you want to look at IRP and possibly Gateway. Maybe you want to throw Nashville in there as well. Maybe you're really crazy and you really want to mix it up, dice it up, have some spicy fun. Then you're going to throw in Mid-Ohio and Sonoma. A little too spicy for me. I'm not going to go that route. I'm definitely going to look at IRP when I'm looking at real rating for drivers. I am definitely going to look at Gateway. And then from there, I might go deep as Charlotte, Kansas, Texas. I don't know. It's up to you. You decide. I'm going to adjust my metrics throughout the week. So we'll do that at the end of the podcast. Before we go through the practice data of IRP, to get ready for Richmond. It's not the perfect track. I know some people are saying, but it's not. Look, I don't know what to tell you. What well, There's not going to be a perfect track. In the Cup Series this week, there is a perfect track. We can look at Richmond 1 to build Richmond 2. And if you really want to go deep, you can look at other flat tracks. Maybe you want to look at New Hampshire. Maybe you want to go as far back as Phoenix. You know, um, Going into Richmond... James Small of JGR, Martin Truex, says there is a strong correlation. Everything that we learned at Phoenix, we could apply at Richmond. So you're definitely going to look at, you're going to look at Richmond 1, number one, numero uno for your Cup Series. Where you go from there, you could go to Phoenix because for my money and for James Small's money, who knows just a little bit more than me, that Phoenix is very strongly connected to Richmond. The problem with using that data, and nothing's perfect, you have to make some of these executive decisions, and you're going to have to make some of these executive decisions in the truck series. If you pull from Phoenix, that was a long time ago. These teams have learned so much about the next-gen car. You could then decide, hey, you know what, I know Phoenix sets up really closely to Richmond, but New Hampshire is a much more recent race, and the teams have developed parts and have learned a lot about the setup. And though, although New Hampshire is more of a paperclip shape, it does have flat banking, and maybe that's where you want to go. That's a decision that you're going to have to make. I will try to help you make that decision. Back to the truck series. But before we get into track truck data, remember, racefortheprize.com. In the top right of the screen, I don't know if I'm, which way I'm supposed to point here, there's a red box that has a helmet. It says Brandon Cruz DFS. That will take you to the Patreon. and that. Website is patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. 
And there you can say thank you to Brandon for putting together tons of work and a Discord and all of those things. And you can say thank you for me to working on all these podcasts and spreadsheets by signing up. There's no long-term commitment. You don't have to drop $100 on the line and then realize that next month, you know what, I'm just more interested in football. Or maybe I just want to play basketball this season. No long-term commitment. Did that to you last year. Locked you in last year. Kind of was the plan. I'm not going to do it to you this year. You can just say thank you once. But if you like the product, you can keep using it. You get access to all the spreadsheets. You can get access to Brandon and the Discord and all the conversations and going over all the data. It's all there. All right. Enough of that stuff. Let's go into the Richmond lap-by-lap datum. Um, if you remember, maybe you don't remember, just a quick refresher. Maybe you didn't even watch the previous podcast. Majeski was really good, but Majeski gets the lead because, and you can go back and watch, and I break down the entire IRP race, which I suggest that you, A, watch that race. It's an exciting race. Watch it on 2X on YouTube. I've been yelling at you to do this for years. Watch the races over. What are you doing? You like racing? Watch racing. What are we doing here? I mean, if you just want to go straight gamble, then go get a scratcher. <laughs> if you don't like racing, if you just want to win money, go buy some scratchers. Go buy a roll. Watch the races. Enjoy the races. Analyze. Break down the races. But if you can't do that, you can listen to my previous podcast where I break it down for you. Ty Majeski gets the lead. But Ty Majeski, yes, he was in that tier. If we're, again, making the... You know, trying to create a visual or a description for us to build lineups. We're expecting an elite VIP beyond the velvet rope kind of club, this club, this group, this small band of individuals. They are the select group that we think can lead laps or run fast laps. Often the case is there isn't the fastest car or the fastest truck. And even sometimes when we do have the fastest car or the fastest truck, it's, there's not really a guarantee that that guy's going to score the most points. They typically do, but it's all circumstantial. There are sequences in the race, especially these smaller truck series races where you can get a caution, not even really up next to the stage break, but if it's close enough to, it will completely invert the field. And in that inversion, that doesn't necessarily mean that a bunch of slow trucks are now going to lead laps. What happens is on a on a subsequent restart towards the finish, and we see this in IRP, and we see this often. And again, this adds to you need to have a group of drivers that you're pulling from, and also that the best guy doesn't always lead the most laps. The best guy doesn't always run the most fast laps. The best guy doesn't always win the race. But it is typically a guy from that group and a guy from that group who possibly like Ty Majeski, who lines up in the right spot on the restart that closes out stage two. We get people who pit before the end of stage two because of a wreck, but we get guys that stay out. So then you've got a stack up of old tires, slower cars. And so what sorts out in that mad dash to the end, the guy that breaks through to the top is not always the fastest truck. And then that guy then has track position leading into stage three, which sometimes can be one of the longer green flag runs. And so now you see that, hey, you know who determined who was going to lead the most laps, run the most fast laps? Was that caution that happens at the end of stage two, which seems to happen all the time? And then who just got in the right spot at the right time and made the right move to slide through that got the lead? It wasn't necessarily, I got the best car and I qualified on the pole. Doesn't always work out that way. So going back to your VIP club of elite groups, was Majeski in that group? Yes, he was. Zane Smith wasn't really in that group. 
He didn't show a lot of speed in practice. You didn't want to completely abandon him. But because of his starting position at a short track where we knew passing was going to be difficult, you didn't really expect him to uh, score hog points in the race. He had a good truck, but he wasn't a part of that elite group. Grand Infinger was. John Hunter Nemechek was. Remember, we're trying to look at practice, trying to link that up with the fast cars. The fastest cars were Ty Majeski. They were Grand Infinger. They were John Hunter Nemechek. Ben Rhodes was kind of there, uh, but he didn't really have the greatest track position. He wasn't too far back. He never really can cross out Ben Rhodes. Ben Rhodes also will always go on crazy strategies, which sometimes leads to him being a hog and not really having a good result. That also can lead to him, like in this race, having uh, not the greatest race because he stays out and then he cycles back in stage three. And when you restart 20th and stage three and we run green for quite a while, it can be kind of challenging for that driver then to lead laps, run fast laps. By the time they work their way to the front, then they're eight, 10 seconds behind the leader, if even that, and they're going to need a caution. But even if they didn't get a caution, they're still going to line up, what, four rows back from the leader, and they're all going to be on equal tires. We see Ben Rhodes gamble more than really anyone else in terms of strategy. Maybe you like making that play. Maybe you don't, but you just something you need to be cognizant of. I need to look and see who was Lane Riggs driving for. I meant to look that up the other day. Lane Riggs had a really strong run, but he also played the stages correctly. But he was fast enough to be in that position. Chris Larson, which is the on-point, which I, I believe, right? Is that on-point racing? Yeah, I'll Google that up over on the other side. Pretty sure that's on-point. I'm pretty sure that was uh, Brennan Poole's team in previous seasons, which has, since Brennan Poole exited, they just really have not produced the results. I could be completely wrong. I might be talking out of my rear end here, and that would be embarrassing. But when you're on a podcast and you're trying to fill time and you don't have anything scripted and you're not trying to say, um, and you know every five seconds like you see in other podcasts, then you kind of have to get into a spot where you learn to say things that may or may not be true, unfortunately. See, the best way that I would look that up would be to go to look at IRP and then look up Chris Larson. But sometimes they put the link in, sometimes they don't put the link in, and then sometimes you click on the wrong thing. And I'm kind of struggling here. Not going so well. There, Chris Larson. Yes, now it's much better. So I said Brennan Poole, and I was completely wrong. <laughs> now, now. You know how this goes. I got to look up and say, well, who who am I missing Brennan Poole's on-point team up with? Uh, Chris Larson was in control of Stuart Friesen's team from 2017 through 2020. And still is. And still is. And still is. Okay. So this was a secondary Stuart Friesen truck which I would expect a solid. This truck has given Todd Bodine a couple rides this year, which has been about 15th to 20th place. Jessica Friesen, obviously. Stuart Friesen. Okay, I did not know how much they had expanded. Something to keep my mind out. Now, I do need to get a double check and see. Let's go back to that 2019 season where Brendan Poole was halfway decent. And who am I confusing him with? Where are you at, Poole? Of course, I click on a race where he probably wasn't competing. You gotta be kidding! You gotta be kidding me! Worst podcast ever! Didn't you say that last time? Well, this is worse than that one. Worse than that one. Worse than that one. Worse than that one. Hey, hey, hey! It was on point, right? Wasn't that the name of Brendan Poole, the team he was racing for? 
Let's pull him up. <laughs> did, did you say pull him up? Yeah, did. Stephen Lane. No idea why Stephen Lane and Chris Larson, I got those. I don't know, they're just like regular names. I don't know. Anyway, decent truck. Okay, I, let's go back to the practice data. And real quick before we get into that, we're going over some of the drivers that were fast. Jesse Little, just doing a typical Jesse Little in a young motorsports truck. Young motorsports, always on the radar in DFS. Whether it's Tate Fogelman or uh, even sometimes Boyd comes together with a decent race. I mean, Austin Hill going way back, but that was before DFS NASCAR was when Austin Hill was racing for Stephen Young Motorsports. Who else, since I'm at it, were some of our big hitters? Fogelman, who's the, there you, oh man, it's that Zero Two car. What's the name of that kid in Stephen? Why am I saying Stephen Young? We know who Stephen Young is. <laughs> Steve Young is a famous quarterback for the San Francisco, Randy Young. Randy! Um, okay, so Randy Young, 2018, we want to look at the 2019 crew, which is Boyd Gustine, now of Arca fame. Tyler Dipple was there for 22 races. Tyler Dipple gets replaced by Tate Fogelman, if I'm correct. That's right. And then now this year, and Fogelman went two seasons. Now we've gotten a pretty heavy dose of Chris Wright, Spencer Boyd. And Jesse Little. Jesse Little's been pretty good. Jesse Little was good in his own truck. Jesse Little was solid okay for JD Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. It's been pretty rocking and rolling. Uh, look at average position, 26. So I imagine if you were to go in and look at, if you're contemplating, should I play? Does that mean Jesse Little's going to be a must play? Well, starts in the back, runs in the back, which is not different. I mean, we see Spencer Boyd do this a lot. The young motorsports car, trucks are just kind of out there biding their time. Makes enough of a move when he has to, running in 25th place, getting enough cautions here, running in 20, just not pushing it. And there's no reason for it. My, my main takeaway right here, is the truck fast? Well, it's fast enough. When he is in 30th, it's because he wants to run back there in 30th. It's not because oh, I can't go anywhere. It's, well, there's no real reason to push it here. It's a short stage. It's just... Let's see how things go. Let's keep the truck clean. And when we need to race, we'll race. I like that approach. I like that safe approach. If I'm looking for value, that's exactly what I want. I don't want what we often do in the Xfinity Series is roster these guys that are trying to make a name for themselves. Jesse Little is not trying to really... I mean, obviously, he wants to be seen, but he's not stupid. He's not aggressive. He's not going to go like, this is my only chance, and, and then drive the wheels off the thing in the Stage 1. These are the type of drivers that I love to roster. Very methodical in his approach. It's not really gaming the system here at all. It's just doing what he needs to do. Now, he does take a chance here by staying out on lap one and night two. Ten laps left. You played by the rules. You played it safe for 95% of the race. Who could fault him at this point for saying, hey, I got an opportunity to get in the top ten. Go for it. If you blow up my fantasy lineup, because obviously, if you finish his 21st, you're probably okay. You're probably still cashing. You may even be in a good spot in the GPP. But you can't fault him for going for it. Austin Wayne Self does the same thing. Now, if you were probably watching, I can't even remember. 
we have to go back. If, if you're seeing Jesse Little and Austin Wayne, I mean, look at the way they lined up. Austin Wayne self lines up behind Jesse Little. You're probably thinking to yourself like, oh, dear God, no. Why didn't you take tires? Because I don't have any tires. They're expensive. That's why. Okay, well, that's a good reason. But, uh, yeah, you got Austin Wayne self behind you. I couldn't think of a worst case scenario. But he makes it work, and he ends up finishing better than old AWS. Haven't heard of him wrecking anybody recently, but if you ever go through my notes in the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, you're going to often find rants about Austin Wayne Self just taking people out. He is something else. And all you got to do is just Google the uh, news from the weird always does this. They pull weird stories and then typically like there's just a, a, a proliferation, a high propensity of people with the name Wayne as a middle name to commit crime and to do bad things. And the theory behind that would be like John Wayne, obviously manly man, you know, he's the Duke. So who, who would name their son after John Wayne? So that would tell you a little bit about the father and maybe how that father raises the son. And then that might lead to why, more crimes are committed by people with the middle name Wayne because their dad loved the Duke and pushed a boy to be a cowboy. You know, it's one of those things. Uh, it's not highly scientific. That's just a theory. And I think I've probably lost the three. I, there's got to be, look, this is a fantasy NASCAR podcast. There's got to be a couple of you out there that's middle name is Wayne. So. And if you haven't committed a crime yet, please don't. And congratulations, kudos to you. You know, you're fighting against the odds. You have, fate has deemed you to be a malcontent, a misanthrope, a deplorable. There's nothing you can do about it. It is your destiny. You are fighting against it. But, you know, a lot of psychopaths don't actually exhibit a lot of their psychopathic tendencies, at least in terms of murder, rape, and pillaging. They're just pretty badass dude <laughs> so you as a wayne what am i talking about you're probably committing a crime as we speak and uh now if i have um you know scarred your father's name i apologize for that my dad was a good dude he was a good dude all right yeah well my dad gave me a cowboy name too as well so my middle name is uh which is Gallagher. He's like, that's a good cowboy name. It's a good Irish cowboy name. What? I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it's a cowboy name or an Irish cowboy name. He thought it was the case. And so he gave me a cowboy name. I haven't committed any crimes yet. Yet. Or at least that I have been prosecuted for. And we go back to the spreadsheet looking at the drivers that have been performing. Well, I just thought I'd do another podcast. Maybe just fill your time so that you're not wasting your time on political garbage that's out there that you just can't escape, that your YouTube algorithm is probably trying to shove down your throat or the podcast is trying to shove down your throat. Maybe give you some sports entertainment. Friesen was pretty good. Average running position of sixth. That's just as good as Majeski, not quite as good as Infinger, but if we look at his rating rate, top four, never really is up front. And he might go under-owned. He might be a little bit of a sleeper, but was very strong in IRP. Probably not going to be. Depends on how many views I get on my podcasts uh, or 
if like the right three or four people watch my podcast and then talk about it on their podcast, then he won't be asleep, which typically is the case. No one's going to watch mine. And so I'm like, all right, this guy's going to be asleep. And then suddenly everybody's talking about him because somebody that sounds really presumptuous of me to say, but I've got enough receipts to know that. And it's okay. I just wish. I don't want to sound jelly, but I just wish that every once in a while I would be cited and referenced. Say, hey, I got this information from Gallagher. So go check out Gallagher's podcast, too. You can keep watching ours, but at least go like and subscribe to him as well. That would be just a really genuine and nice thing to do. Well, you never cite anybody because I don't listen to anybody. It's really easy. Just the way that I do it. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. I probably am doing it wrong. When I do listen to someone, which is, it does, does, does happen. When I did, I would cite them. But usually it was just to cite them to call them out and say they're wrong and they're idiots. <laughs> and they're terrible. These guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I've got problems. Ankrum was really strong in that race. I, I just want to go back to Friesen and look at his laps here to show you how strong he was fourth most laps inside the top five it's a pretty good number isn't it fourth most laps inside the top five look at ankrum i bet he is he's at least in the top 10 when it comes to top 10 laps you think at least he had a pretty strong race eighth he even ran 44 in the top five you, you can't really fake that Better than Zane Smith, may have better track position, but Ankrum is getting better. Ankrum is, takes a lot of grief from me. He's taken a lot of grief from you probably over the years, but he is showing a little bit of improvement. And remember, he is with another team this year. He's changed teams what, three times in the last three seasons. Never a good thing. It's never good to change teams that much. Didn't really stick with GMS, but GMS looks like last season they had their eyes on moving to the Cup Series and you were wondering, like, why was there so much fall off? It looks like to me that GMS was really kind of diverting some of those funds. And there was a lot of stuff moving around in the background that we weren't aware of. You know, you looked at the previous season where GMS was really strong in the truck series. They had shut down Xfinity and they were all in on the trucks and they had good drivers. Everything was looking good. Didn't quite have the sponsorship. Then you look at the year where GMS struggled, which last season was the case. And we're wondering, well, what's going on? Well, we probably weren't aware. Now, I don't know. I don't have this. Can't factually tell you this. Don't know for sure. But it looks like if I had to guess, why did GMS struggle so much? Well, the driver stable wasn't that great. They were kind of unstable in that sense. But behind the scenes, it looked like they were moving things around, preparing for their Cup Series team. And it wasn't just one Cup Series team. It was two Cup Series teams. That would make a lot of sense. And that could partially explain some of Ankrum's struggles last season. Now, as with Hattori, Hattori has been very strong. There's just no doubt about it. Championship contenders with Austin Hill. Did win? Did they win the championship with Brett Moffat? I can't remember. Whatever. They've been good for years. We know that. Ankrum comes in struggling. Looks like it's starting to click. And, it, and if you remember the Austin Hill season, Austin Hill wins out of the gate for Hattori, but it's at Daytona. He doesn't really get it together. And then he wins at Michigan. They have a really strong intermediate package, but he really isn't that dominant and then he wins at the end at homestead you're kind of following that timeline we're kind of on that with tyler Ankrum, so keep your eye on that wish i had a little bit more warmer coffee quickly reviewing the guys that were good craft and struggle all these other guys um, 
Heim was okay. Is Heim in this race, or are we getting Sammy Smith this week? Let me pull up the – well, I got the entry list in here. Who we got on the entry list this week? It should be. Is it not updated yet? They really have not updated. I guess it is on Tuesday. I'm way ahead of schedule. Getting a little too quick this week. We don't have an entry list, do we? No, we don't. So, so it goes. It'll either be Heim, maybe it'll be Sammy Smith. Not sure who it will be. I guess it'll probably be Heim if I had to guess who will be driving at Richmond. Either way, uh, with no ARCA laps to prepare, I don't believe Heim has a lot of experience. Do me Google. Has Heim ever raced at... This is freaking stupid. Why are we looking up Heim? We don't even know if he's going to be in the field. But we're going to look and see if he ever did an ARCA race at Richmond, which I don't remember. I don't remember ARCA being... I mean, of course, they probably raced at Richmond at some point. But in recent memory, I don't remember this being a track that they were frequenting. We'll see. Usually when I say something like that, I'm dead wrong. Not seeing any Richmond on the schedule. It's got to be, though, because I remember I thought uh, Joe Gibbs, I thought Ty Gibbs won at Richmond a couple years ago. Again, that's another example of me maybe making something up, just you know, making things up like always, just like I got Stephen Lane and Chris Larson wrong. Yeah, it's not showing up. So, hi, I'm no experience at Richmond. Hi, I'm... And I'm not even going to bother with Sammy Smith. Not going to really be interested in that. Who knows? Maybe they'll get somebody completely different in that 51 truck. I would doubt it, though. Uh, going down. Uh, you got to go down here. Chandler Smith was really strong. Just has an issue. He stays out when Ben Rhodes stays out at the end of stage two. Gets in that wreck. I mentioned it in the podcast. Damages his car. And also, he is on a different pit cycle. So, a damaged car, restarting in the 20s, in stage three. It really just craters his race. So, there it is. That's your identified driver. So, now we're familiar with who was the fastest. Let's look at some of this practice data from IRP and see. We'll just, so, let's look at the synthesized data first. And from the synthesized, then we'll look at the lap by lap. As I've said before, I could call this a little bit more extreme. I'm not going to mess with it right now. As I have said before, using the synthesized data or the broken down data is fine. It's great. Five lap average, 10 lap average, whatever. Sometimes you don't even get that and you're not going to get that here because you didn't get guys running a lot of five lap runs or 10 lap runs. So you got to find new ways to calculate the data. I do that. You'll see me do that by just pulling their five best laps and then averaging those out. And then sometimes I'll take laps, you know, their 15th and 20th lap. If I feel like um, tire wear is going to be a significant thing, which will be in the Richmond Cup Series, will be may I mean the Truck Series to somewhat. It's just that the runs are so short in the Truck Series that tire wear will be kind of a thing, but it won't be the only thing. And I want to you know say, oh well, he's really good on tire wear. Yeah, but you got to get long runs. Track position is going to be a bigger deal. Lining up in the right spot is going to be much more significant. So if you weigh heavily on, well, how fast was he on lap 15, 16, 17, that's probably going to be misleading. You know, I wouldn't want to make my pick based on that. It could happen, but if you're picking based on that, there's just a chance that that doesn't come into play. So looking at synthesized data, Nemechek starts on the pole, has a fast truck in terms of just a flat-out lap, fifth, top five. If we look at... Um, Five fastest laps. Yeah, everything checks out. You would lock him in. Chandler Smith, second. This was after the, I mean, he had a full day of racing at IRP, third fastest. Really good short track racer. We know this in the ARCA series. 
best five laps, had just won the ARCA race, just couldn't get around John Hunter Nemechek. Just couldn't get around him. I thought he would get around him. Didn't get around him. Uh, and, you know, didn't work out for him. Eckes, disappointing. Starts third. But look at this. Didn't have the speed here. Didn't have the speed here. And didn't have the speed in the race. Notice how I never mentioned him when we talked about the race. I was thinking that, well, track position is going to be a big deal at IRP. It's so hard to pass. But his truck was just not very good. Thor was, I mean, he's a Thor Motorsport. Crafton was way off. Sauter was disappointing given that he is usually good at these short flat tracks. Rhodes makes it work, has a decent day, but that's just typical Rhodes of he and his team figuring stuff out, playing games. He also had a little bit more speed. He also has a little bit more funding. It seems like he's got the TRD d development behind him. Uh, Matt Crafton, although they're using the Toyotas, he's not part of TRD. He's not getting that extra funding. Obviously, he's not. Majeski was good, even though I don't think he is also part of TRD. Okay, looking at the laps. So, Eckes, uh, yeah, I wanted to look at Eckes' laps just to show you how disappointing he was in the race. And he had a ton of experience at IRP in ARCA against some really strong race cars. You would expect him to be a little bit better. But it just doesn't appear that he had the truck. We're going way down here. Where is Eckes at? Where you at, Eckes? Control-F. Control-F doesn't always want to work when I'm doing these stupid videos. Drives me effing crazy. Hear me pounding the keyboard. Because of the stupid function of this program that I'm running. God, it drives me crazy. Nah, I shouldn't get mad about something stupid like that. Okay, so I just got to go name by name. Where is Eckes? Where is Eckes? Where is Eckes? Where is Eckes? I skipped over. I'm, you're shouting at the screen like, it missed him! Uh, how do I have this sorted, by the way? Oh, yeah, because I'm looking at freaking Richmond. <sighs> what a life. What a time to be alive. Only six laps inside the top five. He did run the 10th most laps inside the top 10. So give him credit there. He spent half the race inside the top 10. Runs up here. But look at this drop back right here. That's not very good. But again... I already mentioned guys that were better than him. Anything are better than him. We all knew that. We all knew Nemechek. We all knew Chandler Smith. We knew Majeski probably. So, I mean, that pushes him back to fifth right there. Running in 10th. Running in 10th. Falls back. Back to around 10th. Why does he drop here? Boy, that is a really bad run. That is significant. I wonder what happened there in stage three that caused him to just fall so far back. Never happened. Maybe he got some damage. I have anything in the notes. I guarantee there's no note here. Like, as good as these NASCAR notes are that they provide, like they're not going to tell you what randomly happens to Christian Eckes that says, oh, he's going slow. They're not that thorough. They're not lunatics like you and I. 66 leads go to green. 61, 38 gets some damage too. Start 159, spun 42, battling 91, shows his anger when he gets out. Oh, that's when Colby Howard gets wrecked. Yeah, no real explanation for why the car, the 98 struggle. That's fine. You have to Google that one up. 
but he didn't have speed in practice, more than likely. He struggled because the car wasn't very fast. Heim, not very fast, and I believe that's about where he ran outside the top 10. So, so far, the correlation's there. Granted, Finger looks like he's the fastest. He was the fastest. Time and Desk, he looks like he could have been the second fastest. He was the second fastest. Hosfer looks like a top five car. He was a top five car. Stuart Friesen, that one is going to make you scratch your head and say, oh, I don't like that. What's going on? Because, like I said, I said, I mean, they might like that because we could see Stuart Friesen look slow again in Richmond and add to his sleeper status. How were those laps? For freezing. Let's see. So you got freezing here. He's running some one to five. It says average is going to get pulled down by a couple of these laps just because they're borderline. They're not super slow, so the, the average doesn't completely kick them out. So that's going to dial those down. But still, if we're looking at just five really fast laps, he does not run five really fast laps. We take his top five laps in practice. They're not, he's 20th. That is noticeably slower. But when he has to lay down a fast lap, he is able to do it and qualify up towards the front. And then from the track position makes it work. So freezing, maybe like Michael McDowell in the Cup Series, never really practices all that great, but then runs pretty well in the race. It's a bit of a stretch. Sometimes we see Danny Hamlin do that. That might be something that you would want to research on your own and see if Stuart Friesen typically is a little under the radar in practice. Ben Rhodes probably looked a little faster than he was, but he looked like a top five car. Maybe if you put him out in clean air, he has a different story. Majeski got the clean air and looked good, got the sequencing right. If Rhodes gets into that position, maybe it is him that is – look. Looks like borderline top five car. Let's just look at his specific laps and see where he shakes out in this race. At IRP to help us predict Richmond. All right, Rhodesy. In terms of real rating, just barely a top 10 car. 71% of his laps inside the top 10. Now, some of that is so that one of the things that can be misleading with that. So, here he is, top 10 for sure. And here he is getting on a different sequence than other people. Or, no, he got a penalty. Did he get a penalty? Yeah. So, that's going to factor in. Was it a penalty? Let's look. Let's double check. I don't want to make stuff up. What happened to. 99 on lap for the stage. Uh, 18 needs to fill the green. It's got to be a penalty. But I'm not. Yep, there it is. 99 were speeding. So there. That's going to hurt his rating overall. And then from there, that puts him on. Well, if I want to win this race, I got to be completely different and weird. And so for him still to have a solid result after you know, facing that speeding penalty. And then also having to go with an unconventional strategy, which is going to cause his like data to not look as pure and good. Obviously, look, he's getting ticked for a 30, a 30, a 30. He's just not getting top 10 laps that he could have, right? He could have top five laps. Then he has to go on this different strategy here by staying out. And so then he pits during the stage breaks, and now he's back here, back in the muck again. 
the data is going to be slightly misleading for reads. If we're just trying for roads, if we're trying to see like, is he, how good was he? He's better than the data indicates. But if you just trust your eyes, he didn't have the best truck. But again, if you're trusting your eyes, you know that a lot of these races are not just who's the best. It's about circumstance sequencing and you know Rhodes has been like when we think of guys that win you're like how did he win Rhodes is one of those guys that doesn't need the best truck to win Rhodes doesn't need the best truck to lead laps and run fast laps just needs to be in the right place at the right time you can say that for a lot of these guys you know whereas like John Hunter Nemechek typically more of the intermediate tracks though can just win because he's the best and and Kyle Busch can just score a bunch of points because he's the best Everyone else, Zane Smith, especially front row slash Gilliland trucks at specific tracks like Nashville, can win because they're the best. But for most of the drivers in the series and for most of the races, it's so circumstantial. It's all about sequencing. And so because that's the case, you really want to have a pool of drivers to pick from. Okay, uh, let's wrap up, look at some more of the practice data here and correlate it. Colby Howard was a little bit faster than that. Tyler Ankrum was probably a little bit faster than that, but he's in the show. Derek Krause, I don't know why Derek Krause is never really on the radar. I would want to look and see what was the story with Krause. Did he get into an issue at some point? How many laps did he run in the top 15? 83% of the top 15. So he ran 83% of his laps inside the top 15. He was 15th in practice, 15th on best five. So that would say it's a pretty strong correlation. Taylor Gray nearly won this race. He was good. Tanner Gray. What a Tanner Gray. I don't remember Tanner Gray really doing anything. He may have had an early issue in this race. I don't remember. Tanner, 68 in top 15, almost all of it inside the top 20. Be a little slower, a little disappointing. Taylor a little bit better. Sauter, absolutely disappointing. Pretty surprised. Crafton looked like he had more speed, but not surprised to see him struggle in the race. It's Crafton and Sauter. Uh, they just need to call it quits. But Crafton's got sponsorship, and Sauter, I guess, just got nothing else to do, so just going to keep showing up. Digging gets into an issue, I believe, in this race. De Benedetto, top 10 speed and he hangs around that in the race just kind of the little engine that could having decent races 70 percent of his laps inside the top 15 that's about where we got to benedetto looked a little bit faster than that in practice but i'm not surprised to see the benedetto have a decent practice and through the, the length of a race have better trucks just rise above him you know, for short sample size, the Benedetta for Rackley can really look good compared to the big dogs. Now, when we got to run 200 laps, eh, they're going to separate a little bit. The cream's going to rise to the top. All right. Anyone else I want to look at? I think that's pretty good. I don't really need to go through some of these slower lap, you know, and see what those guys did. Thanks for joining me here on the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast, racefortheprize.com, Brandon Cruz DFS. That's patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Thanks for joining me. If you want to get access to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, sign up at the Patreon. No long-term commitment. You don't have to. Uh, but you do have to hit like and subscribe and share these videos and cite what you have learned here if you're going to use this elsewhere. 
and check out Cruz's videos later on in the week. See you guys.